everyone. Welcome to Everyday Sublime. This is your host, Josh Summers, and it's a delight to have you here with me today. If you're just new, this podcast is my attempt to um, explore a full-spectrum spirituality that includes the highs, the lows, and the plateaus. And in this episode, I'm sharing with you a recent talk I gave, which is trying to, uh, at the heart of it, I actually don't say it in the talk directly, but the heart of the intention of the talk is to bring forth a quality of awe or a, a kind of a reverence for the mystery that we are able at all, that we're able at all to observe our minds. We're able to be conscious and reflective and I'll be using this word more, metacognitive, being able to think about how we're thinking, see how we're thinking about things. The fact that we can do that is really quite a, a mysterious miracle. And um, I try to bring you the, you, the listener, into that experience of awe through two, or primarily one, but, but two old, old teachings. And the first is from China, from the... Chinese philosopher Zhuangzi, who has a famous parable known as the Zhuangzi butterfly dream. So I'll be reflecting on the Zhuangzi butterfly dream here and how that, those questions that Zhuangzi raises in the parable feed or, or relate into the process of observing our mind's experience from one moment to the next. So uh, this is getting into some deeper content, but I'm excited about it. I think juxtaposing Zhuangzi's reflections with the experience of Bahia studying under the Buddha. I'm hoping these two uh, teachings uh, can really open up some new dimensions for you in your practice. And on the theme of practice, I want to announce that on the first two Saturdays of August, uh, Terry and I are going to be co-teaching two deep practice sessions where we share Qigong, Yin Yoga, and meditation as our three core practices in a three-hour session that will include some time for reflection and discussion. And so these two, we call them sadhana sessions. Sadhana means practice. And these two sadhana sessions really hold the intention of providing anyone that's interested the opportunity to practice with us, but go deeply in their practice over two consecutive Saturdays. Now, I can imagine you're listening and thinking, oh, I can't make that Saturday or I can't make both Saturdays. Not to worry, the sessions will be recorded. With your registration, you will have lifetime access to the recording. So whether you can attend live or over the virtual replay, we hope that these sessions will support uh, a deepening and a refinement of your own practice. Uh, and I'm just going to leave it there for now. So I hope you enjoyed today's talk and do consider joining us to practice with us. You can also practice weekly with us in our sangha. And there are two links for you in the show notes. You can also see more on my website, joshsummers.net forward slash sangha. Um, but given everything going on, I hope you're doing well. Take good care of yourself, and I hope you enjoy today's talk. Without further ado, here's Zhuangzi's Butterfly Dream. Now, for the evening reflection, I first I want to say um, I have not forgotten about Bahia or Bahia. So, those of you who have been coming, you know that 
about a month ago now, I think I was sharing some reflections about a particular teaching that's in the Buddhist canon. Um, and it's a teaching given to a, a seeker named Bahya. Um, and after introducing that sutta, I realized that it, in a way it was signaling, bringing that sutta up was signaling the development in the emphasis of the meditation instructions that I'm going to try to give or share with you. And that development is moving from the emphasis of good relationship, kindness, compassion to our experience through the lens of yin meditation. And it's shifting from more kindness emphasis to more mindfulness emphasis, the, the emphasis of seeing clearly. And I like that Bahya Sutta because if you recall the instructions that the Buddha gave to Bahya, where he said, this is how you should train yourself, Bahya. You should train yourself such that in the sight, in the image, there's only the image. In the, in the heard, the sound, there's only the sound. In the sensation, there's only the sensation. And in the, the word in the sutta is cognized, which means the thought. In the thought, there's only the thought. And I like that, um, those instructions, because in a way, they're, they're incredibly simple. Like, what does it mean to practice in a way where we let a set image be an image, a sound be a sound, a sensation be a sensation, a thought be a thought? There's a, there's a purity to the simplicity of it in a way that I think almost a, a child could, um, could comprehend. Not necessarily to, it could open up to the question of what it means to practice like that. Um, so that, that got me into uh, thinking more about how to speak to mindfulness, what mindfulness is, how we can engage with the practice and the cultivation of mindfulness in our, in our, in our meditation and, and yoga and qigong practice. So all of that's been spinning around in my head. And this morning, during my morning meditation, um, as sometimes happens, my dog joined me in my office. His name is Ozzy, if you don't know. And so Ozzy came in, he lied down some, somewhere in my room, but at this time today, it was in front of me. And I could hear this, and I knew he was coming in and lying down, but I didn't open my eyes. I usually meditate with my eyes closed. So I heard these sounds. And soon into the meditation time, um, I noticed that there was a sound of distress coming from Ozzy. And it was a kind of respiratory distress of a huff sound that he was making that almost sounded like he was you know, upset or indignant about something. And there was this like, huh, 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 kind of whimpering, huffy sound. And I couldn't tell if he was, you know, there was something medically up or what was happening. So I, I quickly opened my eyes and realized almost on the spot that he was in a dream state. Because as he was making the sounds, his front right paw and his back left paw were kind of, lightly loosely fluttering back and forth like a i was journaling about this and it was like you know leaves on a tree lightly fluttering when a soft afternoon summer breeze rustles them you know so just this little movement of his paws and 
And so I knew it was okay. And I closed my eyes again, just sort of sat with that experience of my experiencing and observing, sensing my dog dreaming in a dream state. And for a while, I tried to, you know, anyone that has pets um, might try to engage in this theory of mind, like what's going on in their mind when they experience, when they're going in these, in this dream, what are they imagining? Are they, is he seeing ducks? Is he seeing geese? Is he seeing squirrels? Is he seeing other dogs or porcupine? What, what's, what's going on? But as I reflected on it, it, it occurred to me that, you know, sometimes um, I've had experiences where I've dreamed and, and kind of, in a way, leaked some of my dream out into my body in that, like, my body started to move or I woke up, you know, shouting or about something like, ah, screaming in, in distress. Um, and it just got me sort of reflecting this way. And as I moved, continued to move into the meditation, just listen to these ideas, a voice came into my mind. And it, and it wasn't necessarily my own voice, but it was a voice where I heard someone say, we're all som somnambulists after all anyway. Now, somn somnambulism, som a som I can't even say the word very easily. A somnambulist, or the word somnambulism, is not a word that naturally rolls off my tongue. Uh, it's a word that I remember having to look up a few times when I was reading the, uh, the comic writer P.G. Woodhouse when I was living in India. Was a word I just didn't know. Um, and when I re looked it up today in Latin, I learned that it's a hybrid of, of two, two Latin roots, somnus, which means to sleep, and ambulare, which means to, to walk. So a somnambulist is one who's sleepwalking. So in the, in the meditation, this voice comes, it's, we're, all, we're all sleepwalkers after all. And I sat with, I was curious about that idea. And I don't mean it literally in the sense that, you know, we're, we're literally asleep walking around, but it's, it, as I reflected on it more, it, 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 it occurred to me that maybe a more accurate way of putting it is that we're, a lot of us, a lot of the time, myself, absolutely including us, are dream walkers. And that we're walking around, but our mind is in a, in a dream state of its, own imagination, fantasy, uh, kind of departure. And that's really what it is. A dream is a departure from the immediacy of what's occurring. And while I reflected on this idea of being a, a human dream walker, um, another kind of insightful, memorable phrase came to me from the, the mindfulness teacher, George Mumford. Um, and I, I think I've shared this one in the past with you, but George is the, uh, the mindfulness coach who's worked with many of the um, professional basketball teams under Phil Jackson. But he's, he has a phrase that he uses sometimes. He says, a lot of us are, are singing a song, our own song, our theme song, and the theme song we sing is in the key of me. We sing our songs in the key of me. And in my meditation, I started to expand on that. It's not just that we're singing a song. It's like we're, in a, we're the star of our own musical, singing all the songs in the key of me. 
And then that connected another, you know, teaching that I I've heard from that's been replayed from various of my teachers that have worked with some of the Asian masters, but this particular Asian master is Ajahn Buddha Dasa, who is a Thai forest teacher. So when I say Thai forest, that's the equivalent of saying Zen master. In Thailand, they don't have Zen, they don't practice Zen, they, they practice a different form of Buddhism, but it's, it really has the same heart. And Ajahn Buddha Dasa, who never left Thailand, never traveled outside of Thailand, was once asked, how would you describe the world? And he answered in three words, lost in thought. And, it, and then I, in my own mind, I was connecting the idea of being lost in thought and dreaming. And they, they share, um, I think, a lot of similarities under normal circumstances. That under normal circumstances, when we have a dream, whether we're asleep or a kind of a waking revelry, you know, we're, we're essentially like, not, I don't want to say lost in a bad sense, but we're in it in a degree to a degree that we're not aware that we're in it. We're just swept along with it. And we're kind of held and defined by the implications of the, of the state that we're in. So all of this was kind of swirling around in a bit of a, a soft cyclone of thought and reflection in my meditation. And then it all kind of came to a head around this the central question how do we really know when we're awake how do we really know when we're dreaming or that we have been dreaming and those of you that have read the taoist sage zhuangzi the name sometimes gets pronounced differently but it's when i learned it it was Zhuangzi. Zhuangzi was one of the, the, um, the early Taoist sages alive in the Warring States period of China, roughly 300-400 BC. But Zhuangzi has a very famous little passage in, in the book of collections of his writing, where he reports, he says, Once upon a time, once upon a time, I, Zhuangzi, dreamt I was a butterfly fluttering hither and thither, to all intents and purposes, a butterfly. I was conscious only of my happiness as a butterfly, unaware that I was Zhuangzi. Soon, however, I awakened, and there I was, veritably myself again. Now, I do not know whether I was then a man dreaming I was a butterfly or whether I am a butterfly dreaming I am a man. The Zhuangzi is one of the uh, most famous of Chinese philosophers, and this is a very in some ways, deep reflection on truth, reality, what we know, what we don't know, how we know. And so that butterfly reflection, am I a man dreaming that I'm a butterfly? Am I a butterfly dreaming 
that I'm a man. Infused kind of the remainder of my meditation. And then after the practice, I, um, I had to dig a little deeper and start digging around online. And I learned that there are three potential interpretations of this Zhuangzi butterfly dream passage. And I wanted to share these interpretations briefly and suggest, like I tried to last week, that it's not so much that I want to drill down to what the what the exact correct interpretation is. It's more how can we engage with these interpretations and really the the questions that I think Zhuangzi is raising about the nature of our experience, the nature of what we take to be real or illusory. We can bring these questions into our practice. And I think the reason I want to emphasize bringing some of these questions into the practice is not to, you know, confuse everybody with inscrutable philosophical conundrums or, or, or paradoxes. But my intention is really more about inviting a sense of awe into the very fact that we can engage in this process at all. That we can raise these questions. What is real right now? What is illusory? We can raise the question, how do I know what's real? And I, when I say what's real, what's illusory, I'm, I'm framing those questions within the immediacy of moment-to-moment experience. So th- those questions, what's real, what's illusory, that can apply historically. That can apply to like how we do history, how we you know, understand our psychology, how we understand uh, politics, we can, we can, and how we understand the, 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 the sciences, I mean, the hard sciences. But these questions to a contemplative land in a particular way, meaning these questions land and point us or orient us into our direct experience. What can we see and test and verify in the immediacy of our own meditative laboratory? So the first first interpretation of this Zhuangzi story of the dreaming butterfly is that reality can't be known. Truth can't be known. It's all relative. We can't know whether we're really awake or whether we're dreaming. We're left in this paradox. We We can't prove it. We don't know. And so this is this is called the confusion hypothesis, meaning we, we're in a state of we have to surrender in a way. We have to surrender to a to a stance of ignorance that recognizes we can't know what's true and what's what's illusory. That's one interpretation. The other interpretation is that this story of dreaming that he's a butterfly and being happy as a butterfly and then waking up and realizing that he's Zhuangzi having dreamt that he was a butterfly and then contemplating, but am I actually, how do I know I'm Zhuangzi dreaming that I was a butterfly versus how do I, maybe I was a butterfly dreaming that I was a man. 
The other interpretation is that this is pointing to the transformation of states, how everything is in a process of transforming from one state to another, from the state of a butterfly to a man to a, and then back into a butterfly. There's two kind of poles of experience that we transform through or between or into. So that's the second interpretation, that that's a, it's a reflection on the truth of transformation in experience or in life. But there's a scholar, um, and I haven't been able to do any back study on this on his scholarship, other than he's written a book about this whole teaching and Chuang's in general, whose name is Robert Allison. And he proposes what he calls the self-transformation hypothesis. And he says very simply here, he says, the butterfly dream, in my interpretation, is an analogy drawn from our own familiar inner life of what cognitive processes are involved in the process of self-transformation. So he's saying the story speaks to the process of self-transformation. He says it serves as the key to understanding all of Chuang's work providing us an example of mental transformation or an awakening experience with which we are all highly familiar. The case of waking up from a dream. Just like we can awaken from a dream, we can mentally awaken to a more real level of awareness. And it begs the question, and I'm raising this question, what does it mean to awaken to a more real level of awareness? So I think if I were to summarize based on, the, on those interpretations, which I think are all potential potentially good interpretations of this little parable. I would say the questions boil down to three, just following these, these interpretations. But one question is, what is real? What is illusory? And how do we know? And I know that can sound kind of like... Um, like a like a, almost like a lowbrow philosophically deep, not very deep question. Like, how do you know you're awake right now? <laughs> but last week in the session, particularly after uh, many of you were talking about uh, entering into sleepy states, what are you calling provisionally calling sleepy states? And I think the movement of mindfulness practice, at least particularly in the beginning, is, is starting to see how the mind moves in and out of being awake and dreaming. What it's like to be awake and present to real-time events and what it's like to essentially be swept into a dream of sorts. 
And the, the, the reason I'm raising this question is because I really invite everybody to explore the felt, like, how do you know that? And it's not necessarily something that you'll be able to say in words, but it's something you can directly intuit and come to appreciate silently. The difference between being awake and dreaming. The second question I think Chuangzi raises One way to frame a question around it is, what is transforming from one state to the next? He's using the example of consciousness transforming from that of a butterfly to a human waking up, to having dreamed about being a butterfly, to then questioning whether we're actually, he's actually a butterfly dreaming himself as a human. So in going through these states, you know, and, and if I were to put that in terms of meditative context, we see ourselves dreaming ourselves into different states. Any meditation practice will, will have that component where we wake up again and again. And how many times in any given sitting is um, anybody's guess? But we know it, I know it happens a lot. Where I'm waking up, realizing, oh, I was just spinning about that, I was chewing on that, thinking about this, worrying about that. And so the question I'm asking is, in what, what can we understand about ourselves? when we observe firsthand ourselves transforming from one state to the next. And that might mean going into an a state of anxiety or irritation or fear or drowsiness, even going into a dream state. But what can we learn about our, the nature of self, what the self is, from observing how the self functions or how we function in all of these different states. And that, I'm, I'm, um, I mentioned Bahia at the beginning. I'm going to be coming back to Bahia soon, but that the, the Bahia Sutta really gets into questioning from the experience of basic mindfulness, of sounds as sounds, sights as sights, sensations as sensations, et cetera, from basic mindfulness, there's a, a, a realization about the nature of self that arises from that development of practice. So I'm asking that here in, the, in terms of the Chuangzi's uh, passage, What's transforming? What is it that's transforming from state to state? What do we know about the nature of a self transforming from state to state? And then within the practice, when we awaken, the question I have is, what does it mean to awaken to a higher level of awareness? We see these shifts in our own practice where we might be in a very 
like really like we wake up into or i should say better we wake up and realize we're we've been caught or held or involved in a state that may feel uncomfortable challenging confusing cloudy not so clear and we and as we wake up even though we may be feeling the residue of that confusion, we're suddenly clear that we're confused. So in the wakeful state, there's a clear recognition of what's happening. So if I were to take these questions what is real? What is illusory? What's transforming? What, what do we see that's transforming from one state to another in, in, in terms of our practice? The basic instructions that I shared last week, I think, set, in, in a way, set us up to explore these questions. So this is the loop I'm trying to come back to from the, the last week's talk on, on mindfulness of breathing. That in effect, when we let our attention begin by resting on something like the breath in the belly, we're letting the attention contact like a primary element of our experience that we can provisionally, and I say that with scare quotes, but provisionally establish as real, something that's happening in real time. So we feel the, the normal, relaxed, flowing of the breathing as a primary rhythm of experience to rest with. That's the breathing process. But mindfulness with breathing, the definition of mindfulness I shared or, or put out there was that mindfulness is a practice of paying attention to how the mind moves moment to moment, or how the mind moves from one thing to the next. It's, and it's really a remembering to do that. So the practice of mindfulness, the word uh, is translated from the, the Pali root sati. And sati literally means to recollect or to remember. And so, with the notion of awareness, there's a, or mindfulness, there's a sense of sati is remembering to pay attention, remembering to observe how the mind's attention moves from one thing to another. And so in the context of, of that, that simple practice of relaxing with the breathing and then noticing how the mind moves from one thing to, the, to another, we start to see how the, the, our, our experience transforms from one state into the next. And my question is, when we see that flowing, transforming nature of our states from one state to the next, the bigger question is, what does that reflect to us? What does that reveal to us? about our understanding of what a self is, what a self's nature is. And 
the reason why this is is potentially threatening to folks is that at least in Buddhist terms, we tend to begin with a sense of self that's kind of fixed. I know who I am. I know what I am. And so we hold, we kind of have this uh, a defensive armor that we, that we cl- uh, kind of climb into as a, a definitive sense of who and what I am as a person. But when we we, we take that assumption and, and suspend it for a moment and actually really look at the process of our experience, which mindfulness is essentially engaging us to do, to watch the moment-to-moment process of what it's like to be a self. The question I have is, what does watching the transformation of attention from one thing to the next reveal about that nature of a self. So while we're sitting tonight, you might find yourself having some dreams and notice maybe you don't have pause or you know movement patterns of your body, but you might find that in a similar way, you, you kind of chomp onto the dream state with a sense of being asleep within the dream. The dreamer's asleep. And then through the intention of the practice, the dreamer might wake up and will wake up. And we can then see what was it that we're dreaming? What, uh, what is it that we're experiencing? And what is it that carries the conviction that we all have that I was once asleep and now I'm awake. I really want you to feel the like, like, um, encouraging to really hold that as an, a, 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 a wholehearted question as you practice. What does it feel? What's the difference in, in the felt sense or in the quality of being awake? and aware versus lost. Okay, I hope this talk I just gave uh, really uh, awakens the question for you. What is the qualitative difference? What is the distinction between being in a dream state and becoming awake? And I'll be, I'll be reflecting on this more, um, but uh, do... I invite you to take this reflection into your practice. Um, and I hope, as I said at the beginning, I hope this reflection actually infuses the practice, which can often be a little dry, like sitting down and just watching your experience moment to moment. That can be a little dry. But if we contextualize how we practice with the energy of awe, the energy of just, just appreciating the mystery of the very fact that the universe is conscious in form within our body and being, the universe is becoming conscious within our form and we can reflect on moving in and out of dream states and waking states and really start to uh, directly understand or subjectively understand intuitively what's the difference there so i hope you enjoyed today's reflections Uh, and again if you'd like to practice with me and terry there's two upcoming practice sessions available 
We're calling those the Sadhana Sessions. There's a link for you in the show notes, but those are the first two Saturdays in August available live, or if you can't attend live as replay, or you could join our Sangha, our, our ongoing practice community of yin yogis, qigong practitioners, and meditators um, really practicing together to apprehend the everyday sublime in our lives. So um, I hope to practice with you soon. I hope you're doing well. And just given the tone and tenor of the world as it continues to, to, to really be on fire, um, I just want to, from my heart to yours, extend my best wishes to you. Stay safe. Keep practicing. Trust your practice. Take refuge in your practice. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Take good care. <laughs>